You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So the the whole oversleeping thing is getting a little bit out of control. I'll I'll admit that. I didn't. It wasn't even like hitting snooze, where you know I hit because I've set like seven alarms because I know how crazy I get with the snooze button at times. I didn't even wake up once. It was just one of those things. I woke up. I was feeling good, feeling refreshed, and uh, fear and panic struck my soul. But uh, anyways, so we're we're gonna do. <laughs> unless I oversleep again, we'll have one tonight and then one uh, tomorrow morning. Tonight, what I'd like to do, um, what I well, what I'd actually like to do is get back to the questions and things. But there's been a lot of training camp type stuff, and I feel like I really need to address some of it, even though I don't uh, have all my my notes in order. But um, we'll we'll kind of just I'm 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 not gonna go super crazy with like deep dive type stuff. Just just big picture kind of things that I've I've observed. If if you haven't checked it out yet, by the way. Um, packernet.com I've been documenting every single one of the training camps including today's which is training camp day six Uh, go check that out and I have it ordered and organized by position by player at the very top there's Packers notes which is just general notes that don't apply to apply to a specific player necessarily then there's injury news and then underneath that you've got all the quarterbacks all everybody 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 so you can go through and see what all the general notes were or if you just want to see how somebody's playing I've got five or six different um, articles up that uh, document all, and it, it's all just Twitter. It's all just what people that are at training camp are firing off at Twitter on Twitter. And then the plan is um, at some point to, um, and I'm not sure how that's going to work because it all just kind of runs one after the other, but to uh, at the very least get a running article of, you know, day one, two, three, four, five, six. So it's just, you have that. But I'd also like to break it down by player just because I'm, I'm crazy that way and I, I want to have, you know, like an Aaron Rodgers, how did he do in training camp and kind of document all that. But anyways, go check it out because that is my frame of reference and I, I have gone through, I'm, you know, I don't think I missed anything. Not to say that the people there haven't necessarily missed anything and also it's not as easy for me to give my opinion because I'm not actually there. So I'm, I'm just kind of picking up on stuff that maybe isn't necessarily true, but it's the best I can interpret based on what information I'm getting from Twitter. Does all this make sense? Good. As a reminder, if you have not and are are just dying to find a way to support this podcast, we are still creeping up. I think we just did 490th episode, I think. So we're creeping up on episode 500 in the next uh, couple weeks. And so what I've done over the last couple hundred episodes is at episode 300, I asked for a $3 donation. At episode 400, I asked for a $4 donation. Episode 500, if, again, if you're already supporting in, in some kind of a way, you know, you're, you're good. But uh, if, you're, if you're looking for something and wouldn't mind helping out a little bit, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you check the description, there is a link there. It is the old link of links. And the only thing I ask is if you do do PayPal, just to send the money over uh, via friends and family. Otherwise, after fees, it's not a very big donation. Other than that, let's take our break, and I'll give you some of my thoughts and uh, things I've noticed having poured through lots and lots of Twitter over the last few days. 
Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. So first of all, before we get into the player type stuff, um, some general things. It almost seems as if things were smoother to begin with. It's either that or there were just lower expectations. But today and yesterday, uh, Matt LaFleur is in a, has been in a pretty bad mood. Uh, the offense in particular just does not seem to have all their stuff together. The defense has just been dominant all through training camp. They've just been dominating the offense. That isn't to say there haven't been a ton of touchdowns and things, and there has. But the defense just seems to have the offense's number a little bit more. The defense is also a little more organized. They seem to know what they're doing out there. The offense has been um, the ones that are struggling to do the right things. And even today was the first time I saw anyone say anything about Aaron Rodgers getting frustrated. Uh, there was some sort of a miscommunication, and Aaron Rodgers essentially just rocketed the ball out of, you know, wh- wherever he threw it to. I don't want to exaggerate too much, but he was he was very upset about something. So we're starting to see, I, I mean, it's to be expected, but it's also something you want to monitor because these are the kinds of things, especially for the Packers, not every team, but, you know, there, there was, you just don't want to revisit last year. You don't want to sow the seeds of doubt, right? There was all the hype. And, oh, man, it's going to be so good. Aaron Rodgers is going to be so good. It's good, 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 good. Everybody's going to be good. And the only concern I have is Aaron Rodgers gets flashbacks of, of incompetent wide receivers and people that can't get open and nobody's paying attention and all this stuff everybody's doing wrong and the, the offensive line can't get the right assignments and it's just constant frustration. For, I just don't want that to happen. Again, it's just training camp. But it, from a perspective of the coaches, from the perspective of the players, I don't want there to be this underlying feeling of here we go again, right? You know, we, we get all hyped up. We think things are going to be different, and nothing's different. It's all good. Everybody just relax. Um, otherwise, I've, I've kind of already touched on it, but Matt LaFleur is, is a very um, – he's very strict. And I I'd kind of touched on this, I don't know, a few days ago or whatever um, – Whereas you, you kind of view Mike McCarthy as the very stern kind of person, and Matt LaFleur is a little more laid back. And there's no question Mike McCarthy is a scarier-looking person. But Matt LaFleur is, is very, very much no-nonsense. As an example, if you didn't hear, Josh Jones was out doing Josh Jones-type stuff, and he got into a fight. And whereas Mike McCarthy would have more or less just looked at it and said, hey, that's... You know, at, at, at times, the, the old Mike McCarthy regime looked at that and said, it's good, we want that kind of energy. Matt LaFleur pulled him off the field and did not let him back on and said there is a zero-tolerance policy on that. There will be none of that. We don't want to hurt our own guys, and launching over and attacking somebody for whatever reason is unacceptable. He got pulled, and he did not get put back in. That, by the way, has me... You know, I, I don't really know. The, the whole Josh Jones thing is kind of strange. And again, my, my way of kind of looking at stuff is formulating opinions and then just kind of seeing if everything falls in line with that and so far everything's kind of fallen in line except Josh Jones because there was a point if you remember I've been saying for a while if you cross the line of you know basically saying I don't want to be here or you don't you know toe the line you're out well Josh Jones comes out and is the most blatant in the most blatant disrespectful kind of way just says I don't want to be here I don't want to play for this team I want out I want to trade and it's like Gutekunst just said, no, we, we'd rather keep. Now, maybe it's just that we we don't want to trade you yet, and, and, you know, we're working on it. 
But he's been getting significant time on the field. If they had no intention of playing him, you're not going to take away valuable snaps. And granted, the, the people you're taking snaps away from are pretty low on the totem pole, right? I mean, you're Adrian Amos and Raven Green are getting the primary amount of snaps, and Savage has been hurt. But if I know I'm trading Josh Jones, I'm going to put you know Mike Tyson or Trey Matthews out there or something. Or try Tremont or, or some other corner at, at say, I, I, I don't know, but I'm not going to have Josh Jones out there if I know I'm going to trade him when I want to see what some of these other guys can do. So it, it's a weird thing where it seems like the Packers legitimately do not want to trade him. However, there has to be an element of thin ice at some point. That was a pretty unacceptable thing and a pretty, you know, rubbing people the wrong way kind of thing. It's not a great locker room thing. Again, Mike Pettin, I don't think, seems to care for him very much in terms of a player, considering how far down the depth chart he was. So, you know, at, at some point, it's just got to wear thin. And maybe it is just the lack of depth. The fact that, you know, obviously the, the order right now is Amos and then, or excuse me, well, Savage and Amos are number one. Raven Green is going to be the number three. And then Josh Jones after that, and it just kind of completely falls off. So maybe it's just a lack of depth. But, you know, considering the options at free, in free agency and the fact that Petten doesn't even seem to care for him as a player that much, I, I don't know. It, it, again, it's just a weird situation that I can't quite wrap my head around. However, this little spat, um, I don't know. I, I just, it, I have to think it's going to push them even closer to let's just get this guy out of here. But it, it just, it, I don't know. It just depends. Again, some coaches, some people, maybe Gutekunst looked at that and said, good, we need that kind of energy. But as far as Matt LaFleur is concerned, unacceptable. So I don't know. Um, injuries have been, you know, there, there's been six, seven, eight, nine guys out or whatever. None of it's super serious. Uh, Mason Crosby is, is the one that's maybe the most concerning in terms of him potentially losing his job because he's in a legit, I mean, it is a legitimate kicking competition. There's no question about it. I, this is... Frickin' Ficken is is in this competition, and as much as I would have felt that Mason Crosby is going to win it outright, Ficken has been doing very well, and Mason Crosby isn't kicking, and he's hurt, and he's old, and he's expensive. Every single day that he's not out there is a really, really bad thing, and really all it's going to take is Ficken just keeps making these kicks. I mean, the the play, the entire practice ended today when Ficken kicked a 48-yard field goal, just drilled it. I mean, that, that's a big-time kick, man. 48's no joke. I mean, I kind of brushed it off as I was flying through these these things here, but basically it was a drive that, that ended with, you know, all right, let's send the kicking unit out. 48 yards, is that's a big-time kick, right? This, this is essentially the game winner. This is to close out practice. Obviously not nearly as much pressure as a, a live game situation, but again, th- these are big-time kicks, and he's, he's making most of them. And really, all it—I t- mean—the tie goes to Ficken. There's no question about it. As much as Mason Crosby may be reliable, you're always looking to replace your more expensive players. And if Ficken can prove to be a reliable starter, they're going to go with Ficken. As much as I would have thought that was inconceivable at some point, it's—it's it's pretty legitimate. Um, another one. Well, th- there's a couple. The the running backs. Jamal Williams, I think, is pretty serious because I think there's a legitimate chance that his his roster spot is in trouble. Uh, more than likely, they're just going to keep everybody. But I think Dexter is probably going to take Jamal's spot. I have not heard a lot of great things about Jamal Williams up to this point. Just seems very limited in terms of his abilities. You know, I think we kind of knew going in, he's more of a banger, more of a between-the-tackles kind of guy. And that's sort of been, you know, 
again, in terms of what I'm seeing on Twitter, that seems to be the, the thought process is he just doesn't look very natural in terms of his, you know, one cut and go and, and that kind of stuff. So with him being sidelined also and with the bringing in of, of other running backs, also Danny Vitale, and, you know, I, I hate to jump out of order, but it just it is what it is. He is legitimate beyond legitimate. Every single practice, I mean, he's he's in as a blocker, he's in as a receiver, he's he's in as a running back, I mean, a, a legitimate running back. So, you know, with him having a role, with Aaron Jones being the number one, with Dexter, I mean, it's not cemented, but I would say he's probably number two. And then you start look at looking at, um, you know, Corey Grant, for example. I mean, if, if he can, with that different kind of skill set that he brings, especially as a receiver, but also that speed to get to the outside and everything else, if, if he's a legitimate starter... And then there's also Trey Carson and there's Darren Hall, who they just brought in. I don't expect a ton from from either of them. But but either way, I mean, it's if Jamal Williams isn't all that fantastic, and he's already at best third, and then you've got um, Corey Grant, who just has more upside and brings a different dimension. You know, again, the fact that he's hurt is not super great for him. Now, it's not a devastating thing for the team, which is all I was really trying to point out when I said it's you know they're not that big of injuries, but they are relatively big implications at least for these particular players um Aaron Jones hamstring tightness not a hamstring injury but I you know I I want to it's the exact same thing I did last year I want to caution against because last year he had a hamstring issue I think that was actually an injury but everybody was oh it's it's no big deal he'll be back in no time and I said hamstring issues are always a big deal I wouldn't expect him to be back anytime soon he was out for weeks so again it's not an injury it's tightness but still there's no reason to necessarily believe he's just going to be good to go. And if you listen to Lafleur, he's talking about how super important Aaron Jones is going to be to this team and to this offense. They're not going to risk it at all. Even if he says he's fine tomorrow, they might just give him another day just because. You know, we, we want at least 24 hours between the time when you last felt tightness and you get going again. And you're going to do nothing but take, you know, ice baths and hot baths and stretch and... I, I don't know what else, but um, hopefully it doesn't become a thing. It's still kind of upsetting that he's got another hamstring issue. It's just, it's one of those things that I just, I, I don't like that there's these consistent injuries. Um, and also, I, I don't actually know what the consensus was, what happened, but Kevin King also dropped out at the end, didn't go back in. I, I believe he was just being taken out in terms of keeping his reps low. I think that was what people were saying, but I don't know for sure. But that's another one where it's like, man, just please stay healthy. Uh, Josh Jackson has yet to take a single snap, which is, I mean, his job isn't in danger. He's not going to get cut. The only real problem is obviously, number one, him not getting any practice reps, which are pretty important at this time, but also just from a standpoint of trying to understand the, the what is the roster going to look like. Right now, it's Jair and Kevin King with Tremont in the slot. That seems to be the number one thing, and you got other guys that are kind of pushing for spots. We'll get to that when we get to that. But I would just be curious. You know, I my assumption is Josh Jackson goes in the slot. That's where they like to play him last year. I think he probably will be over Tremont just because of not necessarily his talent level. I think Tremont is probably a better player, but I just wouldn't be surprised if they kind of push him in there and try to get him up to speed because Tremont is not going to be there for very much longer. Um, otherwise, JV and Hamilton hamstring. I don't expect him to necessarily. You know, it, it, it's pretty bad for him trying to make the roster. Kendall Donerson. I really think this could be pretty devastating for him. Um, he was pretty. He's he's a, definitely a bubble guy. 
you know, he was the third seventh round pick for the Green Bay Packers. He we picked him after the long snapper. Uh, he didn't show up super great last year, and you know, preseason training camp, really anything. And now he's got a hamstring issue, and if he can't quite get healthy, he could be, you know, depending on how long it takes him, could be one of the first ones getting cut here. Um, Jason Spriggs, trap injury. I I would be a little surprised if he gets cut because I'd still see him as the number two, you know, back, or not the number two, but essentially the number three tackle behind Bakhtiari and Balaga. You could give that to somebody else if you want. You could say Billy Turner, you know. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to imagine him getting cut, but I also know that this is very serious for him to win a job going forward. And, and you know, I would have said the same thing about Mike Daniels. He needs to prove that he should be on the roster for next year, but he's not going to get cut this year. Well, maybe he is. The biggest difference being Jason Spriggs does fit this scheme, whereas Mike Daniels didn't really fit the scheme. That would be a pretty big difference. Um, and Fatal Brown, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. I don't think he's going to get cut because of the injury, unless it turns out to be a pretty serious one and he can't get on the field. Not really sure. Um, you know what? Why don't we slide in a break real quick, and then we'll then I'll run through the players. This seems like an appropriate time to, to take a break. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. So starting at the top with Aaron Rodgers, there have been a few players, and it's it's actually really good to see... um, because in training camp, you never really know. And I know last year, Aaron Rodgers, it was, I mean, he had like four or five interceptions a game, per day in, in training camp. And we're talking an hour and a half, two hour long training camps. And he's just throwing tons of interceptions, which, you know, not that you panic about it. Again, it's training camp. You use that time to whatever. But it seems as though there are certain people that are establishing themselves as just absolute elite prospects, and that's holding true even though it's training camp. And Aaron Rodgers is one of them. He's just been absolutely ter- – so it, it's almost to the point where I don't even post it on here because it's just like, duh. But I forget that it's not duh. Like there, there are training camps going on across the entire country where quarterbacks are looking like trash. Your starting quarterback coming out and just tearing up defenses is something worth noting, and that's essentially what he's doing. There's a couple times – when it's, you know, pass was a little bit behind or whatever. I think there was one of those today. I don't know. Maybe I didn't put it on here. Maybe it was, yeah, it might have been yesterday. But, I mean, it, it, it has been just all good. Aaron Rodgers is just carving people up. And it, it's good to see because there's that, that question of, I wonder if he's just going to come out with just a vengeance. And when you, again, compare it to last year, and, and even in years prior where it, he's a little more loose and things don't always go so well, and com- compared to last year, it's night and day. And it, it's it's almost been just... Touchdown Rodgers, touchdown Rodgers, beautiful pass by Rodgers, beautiful pass, touchdown. Just running through a couple notes that I took here. Um, Rodgers dropped two nice, I don't know what this means, Rodgers dropped two nice over-the-shoulder, oh, there you go. Two nice over-the-shoulder passes to Devontae and then Allison during during one-on-one red zone, nice touch. That's that's, uh, Wes Hodkowitz. Rodgers and Allison just had what looks like an amazing side end end zone toe drag connection for a touchdown and that's the other thing too is the the connection between him and his receivers him and his starting receivers and Allison is one of them I'm, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it because I said he's not you know whatever he he is from what I can see he has just been lights out and he's been one of the guys Devonte is just otherworldly 
but him and Allison are just basically as good as the defense has been. It doesn't matter when we're talking about Rodgers and his receivers. Oh, here's the here's the bad throw. Uh, Aaron Nagler goes for naught as Rodgers throws behind Adams on a deep in, whatever. Um, next note, Rodgers hits MVS deep for a touchdown in the two-minute drill. And then here is toward the end of, of training camp. Aaron Rodgers was 6 of 8 for 70 yards on the drive. Devontae Adams caught two passes, both for a first down, including a 6-yarder on 3rd and 3, one play before the touchdown. What touchdown is it? Allow me to elaborate. First two-minute warning of Packers camp ends with a highlight catch from Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a 34-yard touchdown down the right side with 10 seconds left. Whew! Get, getting me jacked, man. Just, I mean, just think about it. I mean, this is a two-minute drill. He he marches, they, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers march 70 yards down the field. Aaron Rodgers is 6 of 8. Two big plays from Devontae Adams, including a clutch third down, and it ends on a 34-yard touchdown with 10 seconds left. Against, by the way, a defense that's still ahead of you. Rodgers just gets on his horse and just carves up this defense. And that's just how it's been. Rodgers is just, he's just, he's just on point. And it feels good. I mean, he's just he's in rhythm, and it's just he he's playing at the level that you expect. Aaron Rodgers is better than everybody else, and he's just going out and showing it. Him and Devontae are just you know it's it's like high schoolers going out and playing with elementary school kids. It's just for fun, right? We're just messing around. Um, Deshaun Kaiser, it's been a lot more highs and lows. Day one was really bad. I think it was day two or three where it was all Kaiser. Like, oh man, he's looking amazing, and then it just kind of faded off again. And it's just been that way. So the only two notes I have for him, for example, um, Kaiser hits Jamon Moore, you know, real nice pass here. But then the last note, Deshaun Kaiser with two brutal deep balls to end his two-minute drill. One caught by Packers Staffer, five yards behind the right beyond the right sideline. The other landed nowhere near a receiver. Kaiser tapped his chest and took fault. So it's And, and that's one of those things where it just makes you feel like this is never going to work out. He can show flashes of brilliance and then just be hot garbage. And that's the kind of stuff where Trubisky is, except Kaiser isn't even as good as Trubisky. So you get the inconsistency, you get the lack of accuracy, you get the just wild, crazy, interception-prone throws without the upside. So, not great. Tim Boyle and Manny Wilkins, it's also been up and down. No real massive notes on them. Uh, Devontae, as I said, it's just... it's. There's never been a, ne- a bad note. There's only been a couple that there has not been one bad note, and Devontae is one of them. The only thing is just Devontae just tears everybody up. It just makes everybody look foolish, and it's been that way since since day one. If you look at you know Marquez Eversall here, he just went through and listed like four big plays that happened, and his final note was Devontae is just automatic. That That's to the point, and there are certain people, and we'll get to the other ones, where they don't even have to explain what happened. It's just because you just say it over and over and over again, and it gets so repetitive. It's it's just, you know, uh, Geronimo, diving catch on a fade versus Jamerson. Rodgers, quick slant to Kumaro versus Holman. Devontae is just automatic. It's not even worth telling you. You know what happened. He's just, it's it's just, it is what it is. It's just Devontae. And again, that's awesome. Because look, as, as much as certain people might be struggling, this is, this is against the ones. These are NFL caliber football players, and Rodgers and Devontae are just making them look like, like, like a joke. I mean, it's just, it's too easy. And that's what we need if we're going to be a Super Bowl caliber team. We need other stuff, but that kind of a connection and that sort of just being in sync and just being on point, that's huge. Uh, Marquez, um, it, I think between Marquez, Equinemius, and Geronimo, it, it's been almost all good. Um, probably a little bit more from Marquez and Geronimo, but Equinemius has come up with some great, I mean, d- 
it's it's really just tier one is is Devonte, and then tier two, in my opinion, and I know some people put Equinemius a tier below. I think it's you know a lack of of he probably doesn't get as many reps as MVS and Geronimo, but just all three of them seem to be very clutch. I've seen great highlights as far as as getting separation. I've I've heard great things about great hands and and adjustments and everything else. Uh, huge improvement over what we heard last year, which is just they don't know what they're doing. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into them carving up NFL defenses, but it is a good thing that they're going out, and, and all three of them are really competing. And again, you got, I mean, to me, Geronimo is just sort of a basic kind of guy. You've heard me compare him to Richard Rodgers, and when you start hearing notes about Geronimo, about skying over somebody with, with somebody's hand in your face or toe-dragging to, for a touchdown, that's not stuff that I associate with Geronimo Allison. And that's just that's like next level stuff, and it, it seems like the competition is nipping at his heels, and he's rising to the occasion. Count him as another guy that I would love to be wrong about. And again, it's same caveat as always: is training camp. We'll see what happens as the season progresses. But I mean, this this is legitimate type stuff. This is this is awesome from all three of them. Again, Geronimo diving catch on a fade. I mean, G- Geronimo really tore it up today. So he, here were the the notes on Geronimo. Number one: Geronimo diving catch on a fade versus Jamerson. Rodgers and Allison just had what looks like an amazing side end zone toe drag connection for a touchdown, which apparently wasn't called a touchdown, but who cares? And then the third one is fantastic jump ball catch from Geronimo on a rainbow from Rodgers. And there were other tweets that were more elaborative on that, and it was essentially he he skied for. In other words, he jumped way up and reached over the receiver, and another note said that the defender, I forget who it was, had his hand right in Geronimo's face. I mean, just... Probably penalties galore and just the most adverse cons- conditions ever. He just goes up and gets it. That I mean, just a beautiful day from Geronimo, and it's been relatively typical. Um, again, Equinemius a little quieter, but but all good from Equinemius. Trevor Davis, I didn't have any notes today, but it's been fantastic from him as well. Um, his whole mo essentially is uh, he's good until the pads go on and then he disappears. He has not disappeared. He has risen to the occasion and it's not just special teams. He's coming out and he, he, him also like Geronimo making really great contested, you know, body contorting type catches. So, I mean, the, again, the, the wide receivers as a whole are stepping up. Jay Kumaro, um, again, it's been all good from Kumaro, but it, compared to last year where it was all Kumaro and then everybody else was kind of secondary. This is as I, again, it's, Number one is Devontae. After that is, is Marquez and EQ. Maybe, you know, 2B would be Equinemius. Then you've got the Trevor Davis and Jay Kumaro camp. Um, and then beneath that, you'd probably have Jamon, who's, you know, it's been it's been a mixed bag for Jamon. There's been some bad, but mostly good. The, the biggest problem with Jamon is all of his highlights seem to be coming from, from Kaiser, the number two, number three, number four uh, quarterback. He doesn't have a lot of Rodgers time. And if he's getting it, Again, not a lot of highlights out of that. So it seems to be not the greatest. After that, the only real receiver that stands out is Darius Shepard. Um, there's been some highlights about him, especially today. Some people talking about how super shifty he is, some of the great stats he had, uh, PFF stats coming out of college and whatnot. He's a slot guy, so he can come in in that capacity. And, you know, we don't have a real true slot. I know Geronimo is supposedly going to be the slot, which is fine. But I don't really view him as a true slot receiver. Uh, Darius Shepard is more the the speedy, shifty slot guy. So as of right now, as far as the you know back end of the the depth chart, 
trying to win a job, Darius Shepard is, is right there. He's he's sort of the bubble guy in my mind. And really, to be honest, you know, between Trevor Davis, Jay Kumaro, Jamon Moore, and Darius Shepard, it's kind of a it's it's a pretty iffy situation. I know everyone thinks Jay Kumaro is automatic. He's not. Um, if nothing else, the guy's what twenty seven, going on twenty eight years old. I mean, that's not a great situation. Trevor, a lot of people think is out. I mean, his special teams ability with him taking a big leap here. And and remember, this is Matt LaFleur's first time stepping on the field. He is not going to cut Trevor Davis because Mike McCarthy didn't like him. That's not going to happen. If he steps on the field and Trevor Davis is fast and he's a great special teams player and he's great in training camp and he has a good preseason, he's not going anywhere. He doesn't care what happened with Mike McCarthy's offense. As of right now, under Matt LaFleur's offense in training camp, Trevor Davis has been one of the shining stars of training camp season. Almost no negatives, all positives, and everybody that's watching that's a Packer fan is essentially saying, who is this guy, where did he come from? Uh, Jamon is kind of the opposite end of that, where you assume he's not going anywhere because he was just drafted, but with this much talent, and again, with, you know, obviously Equinemius and Geronimo and Marquez, um, they're all locked up, Adams is locked up, between Trevor Davis and Kumaro, I'm guessing at least one of them is going to stay. And, and if Darius Shepard steps up and is a legitimate receiver, I don't know that you keep Jamon and cut Darius Shepard just because Jamon was drafted. In other words, I'm still less than 50%. I mean, I'm still confident Jamor will be on the team. That could be sort of a surprise cut if uh, if things don't really... Because it's, it's beyond the point of saying, can you stop dropping footballs. You you got to stand out because all these guys are standing out. Darius Shepard is, is wowing people. Trevor Davis is wowing people. Jamon isn't wowing anyone. It's just, you know, again, Kaiser hits more on a cross, a, a completed pass. Cool. All right. Good. But, you know, you got to start hitting some highlight reels or something, man. Do something to separate yourself because at some point, nobody's going to care that you were drafted a, a round or two earlier than, than the other guys who are w- miles ahead of you in this offense. Um, running backs, let's see. Uh, Aaron Jones, I haven't actually heard a ton. You know, everything seems fine. I haven't heard anything super great about, wow, what a great run. Uh, same is true with Jamal. Again, some negative there. Uh, Dexter, I think, has been a little bit up and down. You know, there, there's been some people pointing out some really great runs and some really great fundamental things that he's doing right. You know, the fact that he's definitely a one-cut-and-go kind of guy. But there's also been some notes on Dexter that are a little more, you know, he's got some refining to do. It's He's not quite perfect in this sort of category. You know, a, a note today, Ty Summers just obliterated Dexter Williams in pass protection. Um, as And that was from Aaron Nagler. as something he pointed out the other day. I forget who it was for. I think Trey Carson but essentially the, the note from him correctly was, if you can't protect the franchise, i.e. Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to make the team. Now, that's not true if you're Aaron Jones necessarily, but he can block anyways. But that, that's, a, that's a big thing, right? It's not just how good of a runner are you. You got to catch the football. And, and very pr- importantly, you have to be able to protect Aaron Rodgers. And if you've got Ty Summers coming in and just ripping your head off and sacking Aaron Rodgers, not that he did that because it's training camp, but that's, that's, a, that's a big red mark. So some good and some bad. There, there haven't been a lot of standout good from, from the running backs. Um, that is unless, again, you consider Danny Vitale a running back because it's just been every single day. I mean, Danny Vitale may as well be the Jay Kumaro of, of this training camp, which doesn't necessarily speak super well of Danny Vitale because every time there's super hype about somebody, it doesn't usually pan out. But just the, the usage is significant, right? Da- um, Matt LaFleur wants to use Danny Vitale and is using Danny Vitale. It's just a matter of can it translate to the regular season. 
And, um, you know, again, given his athleticism and everything else, I don't see why not. Uh, just, you know, a, a note from today. First play in the last competitive period is a fullback screen to Danny Vitale. I mean, they're using him in screens. I mean, and, and, and again, as big as he is and as fast as he is, why not? And, he's, you know, I mean, the, the two things he does really well are uh, receiving and blocking. That's a great combination, especially if we're talking third down. You know, third down, you've got Aaron Jones out there, you got Danny Vitale out there, and you got sort of the big boy package, and you end up, like, faking a run and, and running a screen to Vitale. It's just, you know, on a third and four, third and five, that could be just so incredibly lethal. Jimmy Graham has actually been, ex- moving on to tight ends, obviously, been extremely quiet. It's almost got me wondering about Jimmy Graham on this offense. Um, there's been a ton from Robert Tanyan. He's been kind of the, the high, he's really been the only tight end that anybody's been talking about. He's been sort of the number two seemingly behind Jimmy Graham, but Jimmy Graham has done almost nothing. There were two notes today, though, kind of back-to-back. Um, the, the first one is uh, Rogers sends Dexter out wide for a five-wide look, hits Jimmy Graham on a quick out to beat the Blitz, and then Rogers sends Vitaly out wide. Another spread look this time hits Graham up the seam for a first down. So it, it's kind of one of those things where you can see where he comes in handy in certain situations, especially when you're spread out and all these kinds of things. You got the you, you get the offense spread out, you got the defense spread out, you've got Jimmy Graham in an ideal situation, probably up against a linebacker or whatever. But he's another one where it's, you know, given the amount of money that he's getting, he should be up there with Devontae and with Bakhtiari and with some of these other guys where it's like they just win, 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 win. And it's just we don't hear anything. I mean, even last year, it was just, oh, man, the connection between Rodgers and Jimmy Graham is crazy. Oh, it's going to be so out of this world. And it didn't pan out, again, because it's training camp. But the fact that we're not even hearing it even in training camp has really got me wondering what are we doing here? Like, are we really going to go forward? Again, remember the amount of money we're paying him. He needs to have a big impact on this team, especially if he's basically just a receiver. He's not going to be a blocker. He's just a receiver. He needs to be a really, really darn good receiver. So a um, couple good notes today about Jimmy Graham. Otherwise, nothing. I've not heard a single thing, I don't think, through six days about Mercedes Lewis. I've only maybe heard one or two things about Jace. Nothing super great. Um... And it's been all Tanyan. As I said, you know, there, there have been a couple. Of, I saw one note about Pharaoh McKeever uh, that was really terrible. I think I already read that one to you. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's the only tight end that anyone's been talking about in any kind of pas- positive way is Robert Tanyan. That includes today a quote from Matt LaFleur. He says, I'm excited about him. I think he gets better every day in the pass and run game. It'll be fun to watch him in those preseason situations. So, um, you know, it was a question for me whether Robert Tanyan makes the roster. At this point, it would be a real long shot that he doesn't make the roster. Um, given his youth, I mean, it, it's if I had to bet on him or Jimmy Graham, I'd probably take Robert Tanyan at this point, and that's a massive 180 from where I was just, you know, a week ago. Uh, offensive line, David Bakhtiari's been pretty stout. He has been beat a couple times. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, you know, again, he's another one that is just positive, positive. David Bakhtiari's still uh, a great a great player. Balaga's been a bit up and down. Uh, I think he's also been hurt. Real good note from Balaga today. Rashawn Gary just tried beating Balaga on the outside during two-minute drill. The rookie ended up sitting on the turf. So, uh, Rashawn Gary, and I, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. I don't want to hit on it now, but he's been... This isn't so much looking at it and saying, wow, Rashawn Gary's garbage. That is absolutely not the case. This is a very good rep from Brian Balaga teaching the young gun a little thing or two uh, about trying to 
get a little big for his britches. Um, other guys have been a lot of rotation, um, so there's a, a note here from Ryan Wood. Uh, Packers have rotated Justin McCray, Lucas Patrick at first-team center, Justice Bell, Corey Lindsley. Today it's Patrick. That's a possible pathway to the roster. In other words, we don't really have a backup center. I know Elton Jenkins did play center, so that would presumably be the the backup center, but he's kind of a legitimate guard. In other words, he may be a starter. So point is, being able to be a legitimate backup at center could be a way to, to keep you on the roster. Justin McCray, Lucas Patrick, as well as Alex Light have all been taking reps there. Um, again, I'm, I'm just kind of focusing on big picture. I'm not going to go through wins and losses, but everybody's had some wins. Everybody's had some losses. Uh, I would say the, the one thing that stands out as being kind of negative would be Justin McCray. Uh, otherwise, nothing really stands out. Uh, same goes for Elaine Taylor, Billy Turner. Um, Elton Jenkins still with the number twos. He's there's, they, there's been seemingly no effort to even try him as a number one. So uh, I saw somebody made a, a, a comment today that either Elton Jenkins is not performing very well or Lane Taylor is performing very well. I, I think a third option is you just stick with the starter in, until Elton Jenkins can prove that he definitively is the better player. And it's it's early on, but um, I do think it's a little weird. I, I kind of expected the second-round pick to be given a legitimate chance to take a spot doesn't really seem to be the case at this point maybe that'll change in time we'll see how it goes uh cole madison i've seen kind of a lot of ups and a lot of downs but apparently from the perspective of aaron nagler he's been pretty dominant his one note and cole's only note for the day cole madison continues to impress in one-on-ones now obviously because cole madison is one of those cult cult favorites where everybody kind of freaks out when good things happen that got taken wildly out of context and he's going to be a starting right tackle and all this crazy stuff slow down he's won a couple reps in training camp let's hope he makes the roster let's hope he can be a quality backup and we'll kind of move on from there uh nothing else for offensive line really again a lot of ups and downs moving to the defense now and defensive tackle kenny clark is basically Devontae adams i mean again there have been ups and downs for aaron Rodgers. There have been ups and downs for pretty much i think the only two players definitively that i can say there has been nothing but just dominance, 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 dominance is Devontae Adams and Kenny Clark, possibly a third, um, which again, we'll get to the, the, you know, the, the one note today. And this was another one. I think yesterday there was one where it was, or two days ago, the note was essentially so-and-so got stuffed in the backfield. I don't need to tell you who did it. And I just put that note under Kenny Clark because I know exactly where that goes, because that's just where it's at right now. Kenny Clark is just better than everybody else on the field. He's just on a different level. And again, that's a great thing going into this year, because we're talking about Devontae taking a step from being, you know, easy top 10 to, you know, definitively top five. I mean, that's sort of the jump I would like to see because he has that potential. As crazy as it sounds, he has that potential, and this is the kind of a start in training camp you would expect to see from a top-five wide receiver going up against you know second-year corners trying to figure stuff out. Dominance. Same with Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, one of the best defensive tackles in the class. Not a lot of people are going to talk. If you say, who are the in, – in the NFL, excuse me, if you were to ask people, just general NFL fans, rattle off 5'10 of the best defensive tackles, I don't know how many are going to even think of Kenny Clark or even really know about Kenny Clark. You know, obviously the, the more – in tune with football you are, the more you're going to know Kenny Clark. But as far as casual football fans go, nobody knows who Kenny Clark is. He has that potential to definitively be a top five. You know, if you 
could argue maybe he already is. I don't know if he is, whatever. But he's, he's kind of in that same plane, right? He has the potential. If, if he's not top five, he could solidify himself. And as I've said, if, if you want to stand out, you got to get double-digit sacks. As much as that's a, a kind of, you know, is 10 infinitely better than nine? No, but if you get 10 sacks, everyone's going to know your name. But again, he's he's just he's playing like a guy that just is better than every single person on the field because he is. Uh, I, I, I health being assumed, I assume he's going to take even another step as much as that seems impossible because he's just that freakishly dominant. Uh, Montravius, I think the one important note here from Aaron Nagler. Uh, there's been a lot of hype. I'll just well, I'll just read his tweet. It says Montravius Adams has generated a lot of headlines lately, but he still ends up on the ground way too much so far early in camp. So, I mean, that, that's an important note in general because there's been a ton of hype and we just don't want to get too carried away. I expect him to take a step. I expect him to be starter quality, but I also expect there's going to be some rough patches. He's not a fully refined product at this point. Whether or not he ever will be, I don't even know. But coming out of the gate, I don't, you know, there's going to be times when he just gets blown off the ball and we're going to be hating him and, why did you do this? And then the next play, he's just going to blow somebody up and get a sack. I think that's going to be Montrevious. It's not going to be, oh, wow, he's just stepped in and he's Mike Daniels on day one. It's going to be some really great, I mean, the quote from Kenny Clark is he has better get-off than any of us. He's including himself on that, his ability to get off the ball, and he is. He's, he's freakishly athletic. He also said he's got something like farm boy strength or something, just, just power. So he's got a lot of potential, but, uh, you know, again, kind of keep it in proper context. Uh, not a whole lot that I can remember from anybody else along the defensive line. The other one, if there was somebody, and I'm sure he's had some losses, so I don't want to put him in the same category as uh, Devontae and as Kenny Clark necessarily, but Zadarius Smith has just been lights out, and that includes basically beating um, David Bakhtiari pretty much every time he's gone up against him. I mean, he's he's just coming out and whipping. I mean, and David Bakhtiari is a Kenny Clark type, where it's, it doesn't matter if it's training camp; he just he doesn't get beat. He does on occasion. I, I shouldn't say that, but I mean, Zadarius just beats everybody he lines up against. And I'll be honest, Rashawn Gary is very, very, very close behind. I am beyond elated with how great Rashawn Gary has been early in camp. Um, he's he's just he's beating all the linemen. He's intense playing with a lot of energy, a lot of speed, and they're just the notes on Rashawn. And the, and the good thing is it's not just notes of, wow, he looks really fast. There's all kinds of notes of, oh, that was good coverage, but he caught it. Or, oh, he looks really fast. It wasn't a good play by him, but, uh, wow, he really looked fast. And if, if he had done the right thing, no, it's he's a freak and he blew up the play in the backfield. He's a freak and that would have been a sack. He's a freak and he was in the right place to make a play there. So it's it's all really good and re- in other words another thing that's really flipped for me um on top of really believing in Geronimo it, it, you know again training camp but it it's been really impressive um on top of Robert Tanyan solidifying himself possibly as the top tight end he's probably not going to overtake uh, Jimmy Graham unless they just cut him but that being another one and the other is that I'm probably officially more excited about Rashawn Gary at this point than I am Darnell Savage. Not to say, you know, obviously Darnell's been hurt, so it's nothing against Darnell, but the level of excitement I have for Rashawn Gary has surpassed the level of excitement I have for Darnell Savage because he's been that good in training camp. High energy, high intensity, he's he's 
He plays really, really well on the inside as well as the outside. And essentially, him and Zadarius are the same player. They have been paired up. So when there's drills of... Um, Rashawn Gary and Zadarius will will do drills with defensive linemen, and then they'll pair off together and run over to the outside linebackers. So those two are going to be the interchangeable ones who go outside, inside, and then Preston. You know, you probably knew this, but Preston is primarily going to be your outside linebacker. Fackrell is going to be primarily outside. You got a bunch of defensive linemen, but Zadarius and Rashawn are going to be the interchangeable ones. And I think it's, I, I don't really have any doubt at this point. Again, I know it's training camp. Zadarius and Rashawn have been so good, I, I would be a little bit surprised if they weren't our top two pass rushers when the season started. No, Nothing against Fackrell or, or Preston Smith. I think Preston's going to be a versatile player. I think he's going to have a real important role, including pass protection. Uh, Fackrell's going to be also a little bit of pass protection, pass rush, setting the edge, all that kind of stuff. But in terms of just getting on your horse and getting after the, the quarterback with tenacity, with violence, with, with aggression, I think Zadarius and Rashawn are going to be a scary duo. I, yes, I, and I am jumping the gun, and I don't care. I'm just, I'm, I'm just very happy, I guess, with, with the report. Because you don't know, right? We paid big money to Zadarius, and he could be garbage. We, we drafted Rashawn early, early, he could be garbage. And they still might be not very good. But this is what you would like to see. If, if you had your choice, even if training camp doesn't matter, and I asked you, what would you prefer? They're dominating everybody, including your all-world left tackle in training camp, or they don't really show up, which are you going to pick? Because David Bakhtiari is still David Bakhtiari, and your ability to go up, line up against David Bakhtiari, and just dominate him more than not, that's crazy to me. So Zadarius is... is borderline up there. I mean, he, he's probably on, and and please keep this in the proper context, I'm talking about positive reports against negative reports. I'm not talking about their actual level of play, but I'm saying he's on the same level as Aaron Rodgers in terms of positive to negative reports. So De, uh, Devontae and Kenny Clark are all freakishly positive, no negative. Aaron Rodgers and Zadarius are pretty much all positive. I don't remember very many negative, hardly any, and they just dominate everybody. They're better than everybody. Um, Preston has been pretty quiet, sort of a Jimmy Graham situation. I don't think anything's really necessarily been bad, but he hasn't really stood out. Rashawn Gary I already touched on, um, just pretty dominant. Obviously, there was that one rep against Balaga where he got knocked on his back. I mean, he's, he's still got a lot to learn. Um, you know, and, he, and he's learning two different positions, and he's learning from two different coaches, which is going to be to his benefit, but also means it's going to take a little bit of time. But, I mean, right now, what the, the dominance we're seeing is just raw athleticism. It's just raw ability, and, and as that continues to get refined, I'm just I'm very, very excited. Uh, Fackrell in training camp, I've heard almost nothing. Uh, Reggie, maybe I've heard one or two notes. For, for the most part, I've heard not a whole lot. Uh, Blake, I think, has been pretty steady, Eddie, not a whole lot of notes. Oren Burks, there's been quite a bit of positive. Now, there already was last year as well, in training camp as well as preseason, a lot of positive. But he's, he's made some really good plays, including the highlight that I think I talked about last time where um, he not only blanketed, I think it was Aaron Jones, but he was able to close on the pass, get his hand in, pop the pass up, and intercept the pass, and run the other direction. That's That, to me, is a key difference compared to last year where it was, you know, Look how close he was to being able, being there when the guy caught the ball. No, no, no. Break up the pass. Now, there's still been some of that where it's, you know, uh, so-and-so burned Oren Burks or whatever, and that's, that's everybody. Everybody gets beat once in a while. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's really just going to come down to, and, and preseason is going to be important, can he just actually make the plays? 
And uh, my opinion of Oren Burks is kind of similar to Josh Jones in a way where he's all athleticism. He's going to make some real big plays, especially like tackles for a loss, maybe coming for a sack on a blitz, real big plays that get you excited, but just doesn't have what it takes to just be a solid contributor on a down-to-down basis. If we're talking just a, a run defender on a down-to-down basis and we're talking about coverage against the tight end, he's going to get beat more often than not. And what what we need from Oren Burks is more consistency, right? We already get the flash. We get the big plays we get the highlight reel stuff that's fine we need a consistent player on a down-to-down basis and that's what I'm hoping Oren Burks can kind of work on uh Ty Summers he's had some good notes he's had some bad notes I'm sure he's not getting as many reps as everybody else I stand by what I said before I think special teams is going to be his path to the roster I haven't heard a lot of notes about him on special teams but um you know Ty Summers obliterated Dexter William and pass pro that's a good note and that's the kind of stuff that's going to help, you know, just for anybody in his position that's kind of on the bubble, highlight reel type stuff is going to help. Obviously, consistency and being intelligent and doing your job properly is, is all super important, but you got to stand out. Moving on to cornerback, one of the biggest disappointments and things that has me the, the most worried, and for the billionth time, I understand is training camp, and, and another slight caveat here. You know, they're only these guys on Twitter are only going to point things out when it's either blatantly good or blatantly bad. And in some cases, especially for cornerbacks, it's it's both going to be bad for corners because if you blow a coverage, they're going to call you out. If a wide receiver catches a great pass, they're going to talk about how great it was and then mention that you were the one in coverage, which makes you look bad. Whereas you could be in in great coverage 19 times in a row and then give something up, and it's like, dude, why do, why are you terrible? Again, I'm not there to see what's going on. However, I have not, in six training camps, seen anything but bad reports from Jair Alexander. I have not heard anybody mention that Jair is having a bad training camp. I've not heard a single thing. Again, I don't know. Maybe it's fine. But you go find me one tweet of him doing something right. The only tweet that I can think of are backhanded compliments such as, you know, training camp day five, which was yesterday. He ended camp by stripping Devontae Adams. That's cool, but he's the one that gave up the pass. This is just from today, and it's been six days of this that I've seen, and it it makes me not super happy. Number one, advantage Devontae Adams against Jair Alexander in one-on-one red zone drill. Pass from Rodgers. Number two, Darius Shepard gets a ton of space against Jair Alexander in red zone one-on-ones. Number three, first team's second two-minute drill was painful to watch from offensive point of view until Rodgers threw up a jump ball behind MVS that he adjusted back to catching a touchdown versus Jair Alexander. It's been six days of this. Here's from yesterday, and again, there's two backhanded compliments here, but I'm not giving them full credit for either. Number one, Devontae Adams got Jair all turned around on that rep. Number two, Aaron Rodgers finds MVS across the middle. Tight coverage from Jair. Again, I don't care about tight coverage if you give up the pass. I don't know why people even say that. Ooh, yeah, also tight coverage. Dude, that he caught it though, right? I mean, I don't care how close to a guy you are when you give up a reception. Number three, Aaron Rodgers finds Adams who beat Jair, but Jair forced the fumble. That was his one highlight. But again, he gave up the pass to Devontae. I don't know what happened to day four. Maybe I didn't do a day four. I got to figure that out. But here's day three. Seven on seven time. Really interesting play. Quick out by MVS, which Jair starts to jump. And had he, it would have been a pick six. Instead, he doubted his instincts, backs off, and it ends up being an easy completion. Frustrated with himself after the play. That one really bothers me as well because he's doubting his instincts. He's leaving big plays on the field and he's getting upset with himself. And since then, it's been three straight days of him just getting beat by everybody. 
Here's the second note on day three. Kumaro beats Alexander inside, touchdown on a slant from Kaiser. Jair Alexander is getting beat by Jay Kumaro and Deshaun Kaiser. I understand it's training camp. I'm just saying, not one positive note about Jair this whole training camp. Oh, I found one. This is day two. Rodgers heaves one deep to MVS, who is blanketed by Alexander, who knocks it away. Nice one. Here's another note from day two. Sweet back shoulder throw from Aaron Rodgers to EQ over Alexander. So, there you go. So, you know, bottom line is, it's just training camp, and, you know, he's got to get his feet under him, but I, I just, I would like to see, and if, if you're at training camp and you're wanting to throw out some stuff, if he does something good in coverage and the ball just doesn't go there, just throw it out on Twitter, please. I just want to hear, hey, Jair's doing a great job. He's been in coverage like 17 straight snaps, and the ball hasn't gone there yet. He gave up one reception, but, man, he's been just killing it all day. Just give me something, because I'm not seeing anything good, and it's freaking me out. Uh, Kevin King has been very up and down. He's had a couple interceptions in camp. It sounds to me, again, without being there, that the same stuff is is basically true of Kevin King, which is if you're trying to go deep on Kevin King, it's not going to work. If if you're doing little slants and stuff, he's getting carved up. So it's it's kind of that whole duality kind of thing where on one hand he looks really good and on other times he just looks like he's straight trash. And, you know, occasionally you get notes from people saying, hey, Kevin King looks really good, and that's followed up by a bunch of really bad tweets. He, he's, he's, he's good and bad. He's had a lot more good plays than, than Jair. He's also had probably a lot more bad plays. In other words, he's, he's giving up receptions and it looks bad too. Not, he's not even in tight coverage. Uh, Josh Jackson, I said, has not been out there. Tremont, I haven't seen a bunch. Kadar Holman, um, you know, again, up and down. There's been some receptions against him, but there's been some talk about him actually looking really solid. And and he's, I would say, beating expectations. I don't think a lot of people thought that he was really going to have, including myself, uh, a legitimate shot of, and, you know, he's not going to be a starter, but he may be a rotational type person. I think he's been out there as the dime corner. He has a very legitimate shot of being the dime corner in the defense. If you've got, in other words, four corners on the field. Uh, I mean, obviously at this point, if everybody's healthy, it's going to be Tremont, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, and Jair. But he does have a chance. And, and to be completely honest, if Kadar Holman really steps up, that also isn't going to go super well for Tremont because you've still got Tony Brown there. So you've got enough to cover if you're going four corners. And you've also got depth because, again, you've got Tony Brown and, and whatever, whatever. So it's, it's been relatively relatively solid. Again, he's given up some passes. We saw the one Rodgers quick slant to Kumro versus Holman. I mean, it, it's going to happen. Uh, if you look at this final note here on him, Kadar Holman continues to impress, keeps showing signs of being a really good man corner. Tony Brown, I think, again, just going from my recollection, has been mostly negative, not to the point of being, you know, super terrible, but it just, again, my recollection, every time I see Tony Brown note, it's usually somebody beat him. So not, not super great for Tony Brown thus far. Um, as far as other notes, I, you know, Javian Hamilton, Charles Jamerson, uh, none of these really stand out. I know they've had notes. And again, if you want to go back and look, I got to figure out what happened with training camp day four, but if you want to go back and look and see all these other, uh, training camp notes, you can see specifically how people are doing. Uh, Darnell Savage had his first day. It was very limited. They pulled him pretty quickly. Not for injury reasons, just, you know, they're limiting his snaps. They're easing him back in. Amos, I know he's had a couple plays, a couple big tackles, maybe one or two. Uh, No real negatives. I haven't seen him get beaten coverage at all. Any notes about that? So um, all positive, but very few. And then uh, Raven Green, I think, is pretty solidified as the number three 
safety. I don't think that's going to change. I don't think Josh Jones is going to take his spot. Uh, I don't think anyone else is going to take his spot. I think he's legitimately number three. The only question is usage. Is Raven Green legitimately going to be the box safety? Um, and, I, you know, I shouldn't even say that because, you know, Josh Jones, if, if we're talking getting a safety to play inside the box and Josh Jones is better, maybe they put him in there. But I, I just think they want Raven Green on the field uh, before they would put Josh Jones on the field. So I, I don't know. Uh, and then, again, as, as far as special teams, J.K. Scott seems to be on point. I don't know if he's been out since the last time we I talked about him. And uh, Ficken has been solid. Again, he hit, uh, what was he, something like 11 of 15 before today where he hit the 48-yarder. So, I mean, he, he's, he, he's doing well. And uh, I, I don't exactly know how close it is in terms of, you know, Gutekunst's mind and, and the, the coach's mind of, how badly we want to replace Crosby or whether or not this is more just kind of a, a thing to bring in competition, but we're not super. I don't, I don't really know, but it's one of those situations where if he doesn't win the job at this point, if he, if he continues and Crosby doesn't take a snap, for example, and say his injury continues, if he doesn't win the job, then this was never really serious to begin with. I mean, at this point, Ficken's winning because it's basically by default. He's doing a good job and uh, Crosby's not out there. But uh, anyways, those are my general notes, at least as far as my recollection goes. I hope you folks have a great, fantastic rest of your day. I will hopefully be talking to you bright and early tomorrow. I'll be looking at some more of the, uh, the questions and things brought up in the Facebook group, etc. Have a great rest of your night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.